What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Scott Benjamin. I'm the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And my name is Ben Bolin. I am a video writer here at the same website. Imagine that, Scott. Crazy. Let's imagine that, if you will. Let's also imagine a future. Uh, come with me to the future briefly. Not too far. Not like living on Mars future, but just a few years. Okay. What what do you think uh, your car is going to be like a few oh. years from now? Re- oh, well, of course. This isn't the main question. This is just the lead. Of course, in. it'll be a flying car. It's going to hover. Um, oh. It's going to have a, a glass dome over it, and we're all going to dress like George Jetson. Food's going to come in pill form. We can just swallow it and add water, maybe for you know. See, I knew you were going to look at my notes, no. and that's why I've set up this no. page of fake notes. Ah, very, good. Yeah, very good, very good. Oh, but no, I, I, I don't know. For real, what's yeah? What a car's going to look like. Oh, that's a, that's a heck of a question. It's a tough I, question. Yeah, I guess so. Um, probably a lot easier to drive. Maybe I mean maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll automate some things. Maybe they'll uh, they'll make things a little more streamlined. Yeah, man. But yeah. I don't know exactly what because things seem pretty easy right now. Well, you know, you're right, Scott. It is a difficult question to ask. Um, and I didn't mean to kind of give you a below the belt punch there, <laughs> but. Because I want to tell you, I don't know the answer either. I, I doubt anyone knows. People have good ideas and hopes and dreams. Um, and people have some really interesting, innovative projects, such as the Volkswagen Group Automotive Innovative Innovation Laboratory, or VAIL. And what they are trying to do is imagine a future and bring to life a future wherein you could hop in your car and it would drive itself for you. Oh, wait, wait. We've seen this before in movies. Yes. Um, now, you know, like just, just totally hands-free driving. Right. Um, sit back, relax, let the car take you. Is mm-hmm. that what you're talking about? Yeah, that, that is what, that's kind of what we're talking about. Conceptually, it is similar. And I know we've talked about this in an earlier podcast. Um, and we talked about some of the pros and cons of this as it was a hypothetical project. Uh, and I think we mentioned briefly uh, DARPA's uh, Urban Challenge, right? Yeah. Okay. Check it out, man. There is an Audi TTS that needs no human to drive it. It drives itself. An Audi. An Audi. An Audi. Okay. 
I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, okay. So it's, it's in the it's in the DARP Urban Challenge then? Well, Scott, what is – I think what I really want to focus on here with this, uh, with this idea is – Pikes Peak, you remember that? Yeah. One of our greatest hits of recent podcasts. Pikes Peak, yeah, sure, I yeah. love Pikes Peak. They're going to send this robo-Audi onto Pikes Peak. Really? In the end of next year, in the end of, of 2010. Wait, okay, okay. So we're used to seeing um, these robotic cars, drive or automated cars, autonomous cars, driving yes. on city streets, stopping at stoplights, you know, right. making, making sure they don't bump bumpers as they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. navigate through like a city course, right? Yes, sir. Park in the driveway. Park Parallel park, whatever. Yeah. One's going to be on Pike's Peak. Uphill, going for the record, or not, Not well, I guess for the record in its class, but it's the first one to try this, cool. but full speed. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. They've tried that in the past, I think, but with slower speed cars, right? Right. It's something not even close to race speed. I mean, like uh, right. quarter speed or whatever it was. Yeah. So this one's going to be all out racing. Yes. Let me tell you a little bit about the people who are... I know it sounds crazy. I was skeptical, too. But let me tell you just a bit about the people who are involved in mm-hmm. this Vale project. you want to hear about them? Yeah. Okay. So first, we've got the ERL, the Volkswagen Group's Electronics Research Laboratory. And they've got a task with this. This is a group project, you know. They're converting the vehicle to drive by wire. And they're trying to make sure that it is safe enough to have a reliable autonomous drive. With no safety driver, no human spotter sitting there behind the seat. Oh, there's wheel. no there's no backup then. No, in the you car. can you can see video of a guy sitting shotgun with a laptop, poised, you know, a bit nervously as the car is doing you know what, uh, spinning seen, out. I've seen this. This is the yeah. one that's on YouTube. Yes. Um, if if I'm not mistaken, this is the one. This is the same car, right? The the one that um in the desert or not in the desert on the salt flats. Yep. Is uh. I guess scrolling out the scrolling out the um, uh, the Audi rings mm-hmm. in the desert from uh, exactly from, or, I mean the salt flats. I keep saying desert, but uh, that's the one that, that did the perfect uh-huh. rings in the in and the, it has uh, those three uh, antenna looking protrusions. I didn't see the antennas. Oh, okay. I, I guess I wasn't paying attention to it, but that's the same vehicle. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, I believe it is the same vehicle, but cool. if it's not, they're building one. They must be building one specially for Pikes Peak. But I'm pretty sure. I'm like ninety percent sure this same vehicle. Mm-hmm. So the other people involved, Stanford University, their Dynamics Design Lab, they're developing the software or the control algorithms that uh, basically program this vehicle to drive at the limits of handling. So it's as if they figured out in quantitative terms the absolute limit of the car's ability, you know, within a safety margin, Mm -hmm. and then also figured out a way to program it to perform at that ability given the variables involved. Wow, this so, this is really interesting because I guess, I guess in the the DARPA challenge, if if something's going wrong, they know it right away and they can correct it within right. a matter of you know a foot or two or sure. even less maybe maybe inches. Um, it seems like on Pikes Peak, there's a lot of drifting. It's mm-hmm. it's a gravel road for some of the, the course. Then yep. it's then it's pavement. So with the drifting involved. To me, it seems like it might decide that, you know, I'm out of control right here at this spot when really it's doing what it should be doing. Right, because that drift is part of the strategy. So it, drifting is kind of an out-of-control slide. It's, it's, an, it's a controlled slide, I should say. Mm. But 
where does the car know that I've gone too far? Maybe it's a, a sensor that determines where the back end is in relation to the front end, and if it starts to move around. And there are there are definite sensors. I'll I'll get in that system. Oh, okay. Um, yep. I'm I think jumping ahead. No, no, no. We we should jump all around. This this is really strange to me, Scott, and it's exciting. The last people that are really uh, pitching in as long uh, also with their just their name and you'll remember them when I when I say them uh, you recognize them rather Sun Microsystems mm -hmm. uh, so they're making the platform they're building the hardware uh, to let all these technologies run together and to make sure that this vehicle can actually work mm -hmm. and so um, I'll go in the specs of vehicle real quick. Sure. I, I know you love the list and I the do. numbers. Give I Give me the full list. Okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll <laughs> give you the full list then. You asked for it. Yeah. Um, so it's an autonomous Audi TTS. Its nickname is Shelly, and it's named after Michelle. I'm sorry, Michelle, I may mispronounce your name. M-O-U-T-O-N. Mouton? Mouton? Mouton, maybe? Mouton? I don't know. Michelle M. Mm -hmm. And... and uh, a rally sport racer mm -hmm. and female. Um, she's uh, you know what I know her. You know her. Yeah, she's the one who raced in the Audi Quattro and, yes. uh, and won, I believe, the yep, year that she's she competed. That's what uh, kind of gave the Quattro its, uh, its street cred, its credibility that you know this is an off, you know, true mm. all-wheel drive. Well, Quattro system is unbeatable in that. She's kind of a big deal. Yeah, she and she's a big deal. So is this. So is this vehicle. It's uh, it is 2009. It's engine. It's a 2.0 turbocharged uh, direct injection FSI. Uh, its transmission is six-speed. Um, now, here's something that I'm not too familiar with, Scott. Uh, it's six-speed, but it's S-tronic. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Uh, it's Audi's version of um, it's a six-speed, but it's shifted electronically. Okay. Um, we can do another podcast about that stuff. <laughs> okay, there's, right. a, there's a whole bunch of them. They all have their own names for these systems. Okay, it it uh you know it gets pretty good miles per gallon, I guess. Um, well, when it's not racing up Pipes Peak, if it gets 21 in miles per gallon in the city and 29 on the highway, so that's uh, probably going to change with hmm. just given racing. Um, and let's see, we can go in torque, we can go into power. Let's skip some of that. Let's so it basically, it's it's a true. Uh, what type? It's an Audi TTS. Yeah, it's a true. Audi. And okay, so it's really unchanged. It's really just a control system. That's that's a standard that's Audi it. vehicle, right? Yeah, it's a standard Audi vehicle with the control system. Right. So tops out at 155 miles per hour, zero to 60 in just under five seconds. Oh, cool. Okay, so this thing doesn't look like a tank going up the road or anything no, like that. No, it's not, not at all. It's not a, a test. Well, it is a test mule, I guess, but it's yep. it's uh, it's very refined looking, right? It looks like the regular car because the one yes. I saw in the salt flats uh, that one definitely looked just like a standard Audi. It didn't look like anything unusual right. other than the antennas, and I'm sure there's a lot of gear inside. There, yeah, it, there's got to be a lot of gear, um, maybe maybe not taking up the entirety of the car because mm -hmm. there was enough room at least for two people to sit in there. But you can tell this Audi apart from other Audis by looking at the top of the vehicle. There's a central antenna going up like, you know, like a CB radio yeah. or a not a ham radio, CB radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then to the side, on either side, there are these gray, um, almost flattened cylindrical objects that, mm. that are also, from what I understand, antennas or sensors of some sort. Okay. But other than that, it looks completely normal. All right. Looks like a CB fan owns that car. All right. Well, I have a question for you. What about yes. safety? We talked about um, – now, there are people lining this course – Yes. Um, and here comes a car at race speed with no driver up the hill. How? 
what about save? Do you know anything about like how it how it shuts down or it decides to shut down or decides that something's what what if something's in its way? What if there's a, a rock slide? Yeah. In between competitive now, I know that's unlikely, but perfect question. Uh, what, how question. do they how do they shut it down? Well, okay, if I'll, I'll read to you from uh, one of the statements I have on this vehicle. Okay. In uh, addition to the redundant systems for vehicle control, and it has an emergency shutdown system. Uh, this TTS also has a Solaris-based system running a real-time Java system that monitors the sensors and actuators in the car. And so attached to this, there's a subsystem that can perform a vehicle shutdown if it determines conditions have become unsafe. And that's a big if and what are the conditions, you know, what's the threshold. Um, so yes, it is possible in rock slide, maybe somehow the sensors don't pick up something. Okay. And it continues to go. Well, that's probably a bad example, Roxy. Okay, because somebody's watching that course all the time. But let's say a tree, let's say a tree falls down in between competitors. Very unlikely, right? But it's blocking blocking the road. Possible. How does how does that car know not to smash into that uh, into that tree like a like a human would know? So glad you asked, Scott. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. because it does have uh, it does have a GPS and an inertial measurement unit to to calculate its position. But of course, with the terrain changing that quickly, it probably couldn't pick it up. I'm just going to assume because GPS, again, has to bounce off a lot of things to get to us. Um, So the vehicle has a telemetry system that can transmit all of its parameters to a receiving station 20 miles away, and that can also shut down the vehicle remotely or order the safety systems to engage and bring the car to a controlled stop. So there still is, if you will, the capacity for somebody to be in a remote location watching it basically with some red stop or slow down button. Okay. They, so a lot of in-car cameras watching what's going on, mm-hmm. people on the course, strategic yeah. locations watching I, this thing. I out. like to call it the oh, holy crap, watch out. I have to believe but. that Audi is going to have a, a thousand cameras on that course watching oh, this thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I would think because this is you know this is groundbreaking. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's amazing. And it's so, it's so nuts that they're still using so many standard Audi parts. Also, what – okay, so – I understand that I understand that Audi's involved, and I understand why they want to do something like this. It's futuristic, kind of cool. Yeah. Is there another purpose to it? Is there another is another angle to this that we don't know about yet, or is there? Yes. What, well, what's the uh, what's the possible, I guess, uh, next step in something like this? Well, the the benefit, of course, the short term goal is to do the Pikes Peak Hill climb. Mm-hmm. Um, Long term goals, uh, as as stated by the people working on this project at Vail. Uh, they vi- they envision a reduction in the number of auto fatalities if this kind of technology can be put in place. They also envision uh, less error-prone adjustment to changing traffic and weather conditions, which makes sense if you think about it. If if and that's a huge if these sensors are able to work in concert, and you know we've talked about this problem before. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of system works if everybody is doing it. Yeah. in a certain area. Um, and then also, and this is something that, that called out to uh, maybe a little bit of the laziness in me, uh, automatic execution of routine driving chores, hunting for a parking spot. How easy would that be if you had sensors and the actuators? You could just hang out in the car. Maybe even you could leave the car and it would really? park itself. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, okay, wait, wait. So you're saying you could drive up to a restaurant, uh-huh. let yourself and your family out of the car. And tell it to park. Tell it to park. And then you just 
head on inside, it parks itself, and then when you're done, you, uh, what, uh, push a button and it comes back? Or you probably have to go find it somewhere. I see. I bet you have a remote that says come back. That would be the rough part, I guess, is that that would come back, yeah. Because what if it parks, like, 20 blocks away? What if it just heads home? What if it, yeah, oh, gosh. (laughs) So it's kind of like when you have have a dog that loves you but doesn't quite get the commands. Doesn't understand, yes. I'm going home. That's where the food bowl is. I've ha- I've had a dog like yeah. that. Mm. I've actually been that person a couple of times. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's I, I a wonder. Good point. Though, but that's that's interesting though to to know that it, it has this possibility of just uh, of of operating on its own. Whatever command you give it, if it's a mm. simple command, like maybe maybe you like to get out and you don't want to get out in your crowded garage. Right. Uh, you know things are you know all around your your vehicle. Mm. Um, maybe you could get out in the driveway and just have it park itself in the garage and then and then head in. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. The idea about parking, though, that, that's drop really the cool. kids off at school, mm-hmm. pick up. Uh, you know, all it has to do is pull up to the curb, and people can put things in it. It's oh, a, dry, send it on its own to drop the kids off at school. Is that what you you're saying? know, I, we're assuming long term, and that this <laughs> this would have to work very well for anybody to put their children in it. I mean, it's well, not a car a, seat. You know, it's safe. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I wish people could see that shrug that you just did. Um, I would never do it. I don't think. Well, see, this is, and we should come clean with our listeners before we wrap wrap up on this subject. Um, Scott, this is something that you and I have talked about before with driverless cars. Um, now, I appreciate your slightly sarcastic shout out to flying cars, which mm-hmm. I still believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I, I agree with you in our earlier, uh, our earlier conversations about the danger of having driverless cars when there are human drivers um, and the dangers of the control or the reliability of the mechanisms. But I really think, I mean, you saw the video, these guys have done their homework and and these these men and women working on this thing are, I I think they've got a good thing going. This may be, this is on the fence about changing my mind. Well, it takes an, I mean, okay, you know what Pike's Peak is, is like almost 12 and a half miles. Yeah. It's 156 turns, like something like 14,000 feet of elevation. Right. In- intensely difficult for a driver to make this this uh, this trip. You, you yourself said you wouldn't do it. Remember? I would not. Do you it. wouldn't drive up that I fast. I would not. So. I would not. <laughs> I still laugh about that. The um, just the idea that that this thing is going to be traveling at race speed uphill it shows you the kind of control that's involved in this thing it's not mm. it's not uh you know parking itself in downtown you know main street on main street usa right it's it's racing in a in a highly competitive very difficult on a very difficult race course um i just i'm i'm astonished by this i think it's really really cool yeah we're um, gonna have to keep an eye on this to see how it does yeah at the uh, but, end of 2010 but i still hang on to the idea that you know if you have autonomous vehicles with um, other vehicles on the road that are not mm-hmm. controlled by the same system, it is dangerous because you're, you're going to end up, there, there's going to be conflict there. That's a good point. You know what? We should also, uh, we should ask the listeners, of course, our, our, our favorite members of the show, uh, what do you guys think about driverless cars? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a feasible idea, even better? Um, and just to show you how much we love listener mail, I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Should we read some now? You know what? Before we do that, Okay. You were close. I was close. Before we do that, I, I almost forgot this, but we had a piece of listener mail from a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, we're talking back in June. June? Yeah, this goes back in June because there really wasn't any angle on this one until very recently when we got this news about the Audi. Garrett 
wrote in um, and said that he's he's been in a robotics class for all three years in junior high school. And his teacher, he says all his teacher can talk about is um, robotic cars. And he wanted to explain why there's so much commotion about this. And that he, he thinks that it shouldn't be that hard, but... Um, you know, there's a ton of people who try it and, and mm-hmm. don't make it. They fail. And he wondered why that was. And, and I thought, well, that's interesting. We'll have to think about that for a topic. And, and now and thinking back, I think that this up, is a yeah. nice little tie-in, but it's it's several months later. But um, it's just one of those cases where, you know, I was still thinking about it, and yeah. it finally came around, and we were able to get to it. So I wanted to give Garrett some credit for uh, putting the idea in our heads anyways. but um, Yeah, Garrett, uh, Scott saved my skin on that one. <laughs> I, I, I completely, you know, I have that printed out too, but... Um, that is the question and that's a very good question it doesn't seem technically impossible you know it's Mm -hmm. it's just the um it's almost the risk involved as much as the complexity yeah true true all right well i think we're on to uh listener mail now all right i guess we should start this off by saying this is a uh a correction a correction. Another correction. All yeah. right. Now, remember, this is, well, I'll make this kind of quick here because um, I'm still befuddled by the whole thing. Um, okay. It, it's a math problem. Uh, this goes back to the Bloodhound SSC car, the uh, the supersonic car that yeah. we talked about. Well, possibly the world's fastest yeah. car. Yep, possibly the world's fastest car. It has yet to be proven, but it uh, it looks like it's going to be that way. Didn't we get a very, uh, a very polite, well-written email um, a couple episodes back? Uh, checking on the math? We did. Okay. We did. And um, I believe that was one that said something like, uh, it, was, it was from Evan. Yes. And Evan said that, um, well, anyways, he said that my time calculation must have been off. We, um, he gets, he, according to his math, he got over five seconds for the uh, for the vehicle to travel 5,200. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, at the speed that we were talking about, 3.6 seconds, it would have been something like 1,450 miles. Okay. I came on and said, well, I must have been mistaken and uh, mm-hmm. because I'm a math dummy and uh, I don't really have much <laughs> much going on in the math skills there. But um, the thing is, I got, I've been getting corrections to the correction now. Really? And I've, I'm getting these, these very smart people are sending me emails, Ben, and I don't know what to do with them because I've got math in front of me and they're showing me their work and I still don't quite get it. Hmm. Um, I've got several of these. I've got one from... Um, Hang on a second. I'll find the name here, but um, – oh, maybe not. Anyways, not not a name on this one, but the first one came in with no name. But they do show me uh, the, the error of my way and say that, yeah, 3.6 seconds is right. Okay. And, um, that's again, that's according to the Bloodhound SSC site, which is – A know, correction to the correction. Yeah, I guess, if we're not getting even beyond that at this point. We're in the meta-correction exactly. at this point. <laughs> yeah, then we got another one from, uh, well, I won't read the names here, but I got another one. These are happening on the blog, so it's kind of a back and forth. Right? I see, yeah. And then finally today, we got another one uh, from Corey, and Corey is a, um, Corey's an engineer. He's, he's in Augusta, and he says that uh, actually his calculation comes out to 3.4 seconds, hmm. so um, even faster, but... He's saying, and he kind of showed me why I, why I was mistaken. This is probably the most clear version I've seen so far, the, one, the version from Corey. And uh, I don't know. I'm just it's going back and forth with this, but I'm going to stick with the uh, the 3.6 seconds. I'm looking at the math here from Corey, and I'm deciding that you know this is right. But then again, I looked at Evan's math and thought, eh, it could be possible. Um, it kind of depends on whether you the feet the the, the foot marker for the mile, mm-hmm. and some people are saying you need to ignore the feet. And just go by time and the others are saying no the feet has something to do with it as well so there's there's this big mix up right now let's see um sorry i wish i had (laughs) 
<laughs> no, <laughs> better this... information to give here. But this is, the, I will try to work through this and get a definite answer. But mm. I'm assuming that uh, Corey is right and the Bloodhound SSC group is right because, as Corey points out, um, he's going to trust his. He's going to trust the uh, the math of the guys that are willing to strap a rocket to the rear end, light it, stay on the ground, and plan to survive. Uh, yeah, I love that. Was my favorite line yeah. of that email. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Corey, for writing that in, and, and I will check into this math. And thanks to uh, as well to Evan who originally pointed this out, and thanks to all the other people who have written in as well. I guess that about does it for today, right, Scott? I think that's it. Yeah. And and so here we are confronting a brave new world, possibly with robotic drivers. What do you guys think? While you're there uh, writing us an email, uh, why not send a topic or suggestion our way or check out our blog? You can reach us, as always, at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.